Hey friends, this is Dominique. Um, Before we get started with today's episode, I want to give a couple updates and a little bit of a reasoning that I wasn't here last week. So I recorded this episode with Hayden Lears, I think three weeks ago. I was fully prepared to post this on Thursday, April 1st, as was scheduled. But at the end, we discuss how people who maybe have chronic illnesses or disabilities are seen within the hobby. And I brought up that I was looking for a way to make transcripts of this podcast for the hard of hearing and deaf community to be able to participate and enjoy these awesome interviews. And I kind of posted it in a way that show, said that I was working on it. And to be honest, I really wasn't. There was a lot more I could have been doing to try to make this a more accessible podcast. So I've spent the last week working more and I have finally found a way to make transcripts of this podcast. So what that means is that we are slowly making this podcast even more accessible for people who maybe can't participate traditional audio listening of the podcast. So this week and this upcoming weekend, I am working really hard to get our website up and running to have all of those transcripts posted there. I'll be frank, it is really time consuming. It's taken me a while to correct everything, but it is totally worth doing. So as we're waiting for these to actually get done, I just want to encourage anyone who thinks that they would benefit from having a copy of the transcript to reach out to me directly at DeFalco Reptiles on Instagram, and I hope I can get you this before maybe it launches on the website. So thank you so much. Um, Thanks for giving me the week to kind of, you know, work on that and just get my head together. Um... But I hope you really enjoy this week's episode. I know I had a fantastic time speaking with Hayden, learning more about her and everything she does. So thank you guys and enjoy the episode. Hey friends, welcome back to the Modern Medusa podcast. My name is Dominique Falco, and I'm your host. This is episode nine, I believe, which is super exciting. And I can't believe we've made it this far already. So thank you if you've been listening. Um, I'm very excited about tonight's guest. She is an incredible herper. She has extensive experience with a pretty significant venomous collection. And then also she's got a really cute pet named Goose, which is not the animal you think it would be, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So before we get started, I want to say thank you so much to everyone for all your support. Thank you to Joe Phelan with Port City Pet for supporting our podcast and hosting us on his platform. And I am excited to introduce our guest tonight, Hayden Lears. Hey, Hayden. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. A little bit nervous, but um, good. I Don't be nervous. It's very low key. Um, you've also got that gorgeous cat behind you to keep you company. So oh, I didn't even see him <laughs> until you noticed, but yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Punch face. I don't know if I would call you gorgeous, but you're a good boy. You're he's, a good um, boy. He's, a, he's an interesting looking cat. That's for sure. He is. He's got like one snaggle tooth and like no snoot or anything, but it's fine. <laughs> that's fine. We, we don't body shame here. No, me neither. It's good. <laughs> so we love him anyway. He's very cute. Um, also, just normal podcast reminder that I live near a hospital, so I apologize for the ambulance sounds. Um, <laughs> so, Hayden, for those of us who may not know you very well, I know that um, the two of us are Facebook friends. We've chatted a couple times, but I really, this is our first real introduction. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I guess it would depend on what you want to know, but I have been keeping 
reptiles for probably around six years. Well, let's see, I'm 22. So since a little bit before I was 18. Okay. It's always um, exciting to have a guest I, who's younger than me. Just going to put that out there. Cause I'm 23 and I'm always like, yes, okay. nice. I'm the adult. I, I, I'm <laughs> the baby with like pretty much everybody I meet. Mm-hmm. So like we can add that to my resume too. Just like baby. So I've been keeping reptiles on and off throughout my whole life. Um, which I'm sure that we'll get into later. But mostly, like, consistently, I've kept a collection since I was about 18. And I'm an apprentice falconer. And there's not a whole lot to tell about me. All I do is animals. Well, we'll get into it. That's that's perfect, because that's all I want to hear about. (laughs) So um, when was your first herp? What was it? So when I was a kid, I actually, my very first reptile ever was a baby savannah monitor, which is like the That's worst thing you could start move. out with, which I know now. Yeah. Well, I was probably like 10. Mm-hmm. So I definitely came from like the side of reptiles where like now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, like these are the people that reptile people make fun of that like go and get the monitor and like don't keep it right. Mm-hmm. And I think probably after having it for like a few months, my mom and I, and it's just me and my mom, which has kind of important to preface. But I think eventually we realized like, okay, this was a terrible, terrible idea. Mm-hmm. So we brought him to a little reptile rescue and they took him and, you know, that was like our first introduction to reptiles. So obviously it was a really poor introduction to reptiles mm-hmm. in general, but I was always the kid who wanted to touch everything. Mm-hmm. Um I remember like bringing home garter snakes and I, I, um, when I was in like elementary school, I found a bird with a broken wing and I brought it to school with me. I've just like my whole life have been doing like completely crazy things that I probably never should have done. So I have kind of a different backstory, which is a lot of my reptile friends were the kids that were out herping for reptiles, you know, Mm -hmm it was just a very natural fascination for them. And my fascination, I think actually started probably as a kid, like, you know, I definitely grew up with Steve Irwin and Venom ER mm-hmm. and all of these different things. And I remember having these conversations with my grandmother who babysat me as a kid and just being, and I remember her saying, these people just have a death wish. They just have a death <laughs> wish. Mm-hmm. and very grandma thing to say it totally grandma thing to say and if you knew my grandma like she's like the cutest person I've ever met mm-hmm. in my whole life but you know yeah just very typical grandma response grandma doesn't like snakes mm-hmm. um, and I can't honestly say that I would have ever expected to whoa sorry I'm moving the cat. Um, no, you're okay. That I ever would have expected to get into reptiles at that point in my life. Uh-huh. Um, so we should preface that, like, my first interaction ever was with a venomous snake was that I was probably again in like elementary school, and we would walk this by you and occasionally come across cut mouths, and we would run the other direction. Yeah, because like literally run you. because. <laughs> Well, yeah, right. Like, you know, not even necessarily that they would chase us, but 
as a kid, all I knew about them was what I saw them do on TV. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm like my, what I was exposed to was snake bites. Right. And it wasn't until I was an adult person that I overcame kind of like this weird societal fear of snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, my very first snake ever was a little rosy boa. Um, and I had that until it passed away. And that was probably like middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not the best reptile owner. I'm willing to admit, like I was a kid and that's why now a lot of my focus is on education. Like I want to see kids, who love animals be successful in keeping them mm-hmm. where were you growing up say the bayou so i'm assuming louisiana so, texas actually texas. I, I didn't know that was a term for yeah. texas i grew up in i, I was born in oklahoma mm-hmm. um and when i was two i moved to texas so i grew up in texas i've lived here pretty much my whole life just right outside of houston mm-hmm. um which is a big herp area like for private keepers then also wildlife it definitely is um we don't have a whole lot of like we're, when we're talking like rattlesnakes and stuff that's more west texas we have mm-hmm. some atrox in the surrounding area um but for the most part you know copperheads cotton mouse uh but we do have king snakes and a lot of the other like non-venomous snakes and frogs. I am really partial to amphibians, even though I don't keep a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Hi, stop. Uh, <laughs> I love that all herpers have so, cats yeah, no, that annoy them during podcasts. It's a thing. It's, yeah. The closest it's thing that you can get to a mammalian reptile is a cat. <laughs> That's true. Like, uh so actually right now, all of the cats that I'm watching belong to the photographer, Brandon Riggs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not at home. So I should also preface because it is part of my journey that one of the big reasons I got into reptiles is because I'm a pet sitter or I was a pet sitter. I still pet sit, but mm-hmm. just on a much smaller scale than what I once did. So a big reason for me and wanting to learn about reptiles is because I thought, you know what? There's nobody who specializes in watching animals for people who have, I say in air quotations that nobody can see, weird animals, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, I'm, uh, well, okay. So funny story about me since this is like our uh, yay women podcast, right? <laughs> of um, course. I am a, like low key, I'm a terrible girlfriend. I just, <laughs> I like to, to do what it. I like to do. <laughs> it, it is. It's one of those things where like, it's not even that I'm a terrible girlfriend. It's that I like to do what I like to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to be told no. Of course. <laughs> and so, you know, when you get to be in a serious relationship with somebody, having to learn to compromise is <laughs> really hard for somebody mm-hmm. who doesn't like to compromise. Mm-hmm. So I actually um went through a really really bad breakup and uh my stepdad passed away um in a car accident and after that I was just kind of looking for something I was like you know there is nothing in my life that I really love Mm -hmm. I love animals but I don't know how to make that a career Mm -hmm. I 
love animals, but I don't know how to do that without overwhelming myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have a plan. I was, you know, 16, 17, probably at this time. Uh, went through this really bad breakup. And I was like, I'm just stuck. I, I was a really shy kid. In fact, it's funny now to look back, like, I, I've been getting tattoos since I was 15. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to a tattoo studio and sitting in the car just crying because I could not get myself to go inside. My anxiety about having to talk to anybody was just so horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember not being able to go into the grocery store. And like it, it was a debilitating anxiety to be around people. And I never felt that way about animals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was, I think as a little kid, I was super outgoing. I mean, weird. I was a totally weird kid, super <laughs> outgoing. And the older I got, I remained weird, but I also became scared of people. Mm-hmm. So I went through this bad breakup. My mom says that during that breakup, I really like flourished a little bit. I think I became more serious about wanting to create a life for myself and I realized that I didn't want to be in a relationship with anybody until I was happy with what I was doing with Mm -hmm. myself Mm -hmm. so we broke up and I decided I was going to get a bearded dragon that was I was like you know what I have nothing going on I've never really like seriously kept lizards I'm an adult now so we're going to go get a bearded dragon. And my mom, um, and I love to tell this story to parents at educational um, events because, you know, you always see the parents who are like, ew, and the little kids are like so excited. Mm-hmm. And you just like, you just kind of like want to giggle. But that was how my mom was. She was like, no, we don't need a lizard. You can get a puppy. Like you can have whatever you want. <laughs> That's but funny that she offered the lizard. puppy. The puppy seems like so. I mean, it is so much more difficult than the lizard. But if you've never kept lizards, you know you don't realize that mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. And there's like, I mean, I'm sure you know. There's a lot of good information on the internet, but there's also a lot of bad information. Yes. So I'm sure that like my mom's idea of like this lizard was just like mind blowing to her. Like why? And the crazy thing is now I think back and I'm like, this isn't even the first reptile that we ever had. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But she just was like adamantly against the spirit of dragon. So of course, being the person I am, I definitely went and bought the bearded dragon. And the best part of this is that uh, I still have my bearded dragon. His name is Cole. So this is like right when uh, Game of Thrones came out, if you recognize the name. But that being said, the funny part about this bearded dragon is that it definitely became my mom's bearded dragon. <laughs> um, not even because I didn't like it, but she fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. She just like, you know, she would beg me to be the one to feed him and would take like, so, okay. I was definitely like that bearded dragon mom. You know, like I was, <laughs> Mother I of was, dragons, like, Game of Thrones. I, yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Like, I took my bearded dragon with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say everywhere, I mean, like, the grocery store. Oh, like, my God. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that but with you have cobras. To under- no. And you also have to understand, though, that, like, at the time, and, like, 
I think this is what really like made me fall in love with reptiles Mm -hmm. um, is that most people like they've seen a bearded dragon, Mm -hmm. but maybe the circumstances that they've seen their bearded dragons under are not the best. Mm -hmm. So to see somebody in public walking around with a bearded dragon is really like not as common as reptile people think that it is, I think. Mm-hmm. So I had so many people who would like stalk me and want to take pictures of him or talk to me about him. And because of that, I had to learn to become comfortable talking to people. And I don't know that I would be in the place in my life that I am today if I had never gotten into reptiles. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely very, very grateful for that first experience. And I'm also really grateful to the people who were kind to me when I was still learning because like, obviously, you know, I know more now than I knew then. I still, some days I'm like, I don't know anything. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I know nothing, but, yeah, we all feel but like I definitely that know more now than I did. And he, that, I mean, that bearded dragon is the best, but I'm really glad that I never was treated the way that I sometimes see people treat other reptile owners on Facebook. I think there's a better way to handle telling somebody, Hey, maybe this isn't the best thing for your animal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I-, I can't say very much because my bearded dragon's still really good and healthy and that might just be luck. But he also, you know, really jump-started my life as an adult mm-hmm. and I, I I have reptiles to thank for that um so I started with him and I got really into lizards mm-hmm. that was my first like I, I had for a while I had like five bearded dragons um that I had like we had driven my mom and I because she had also felt fallen in love with these bearded dragons mm-hmm. were like driving all over texas picking up people's surrendered bearded dragons yeah and and there's a and lot of we those would get them healthy there are tons of those and texas is like 13 hours one yeah. direction <laughs> in some places mm-hmm. so there were lots of bearded dragons um and we would get them healthy and we'd either find a home for them or keep them and I got, I can't, you know, it's been so many years now that I can't even remember all of the different lizards that I've had and found homes for now, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Like, Mm -hmm. I've downsized my collection. um, For goose. But (laughs) for goose, I did. Uh, So after that, I was like, well, okay, so... um, I went to, there's a pet store here called Pets Plenty, mm-hmm. who I've actually, even before I got into reptiles, I've been a customer of theirs because I had a South American Cody, uh, mm-hmm. Cody Oh, that's really And cool. I, I got him, I got him when I was 16. He actually passed away about a month ago. I'm so um, sorry to hear about that. Because of, honestly, um, it happens and. It, it, I mean, it doesn't make it any easier, but 
he was I I bottle fed him so like that was my first baby mm-hmm. so I would like I was really uh, closely in touch with Petzaplani because of him mm-hmm. um I when I got him I was trying to like get some ideas of like the legalities of keeping him prior to my purchasing him mm-hmm. so I became a customer because of him not really because of reptiles mm-hmm. so I decided that I wanted to get a snake again. Um, So a funny story that I can go back to. And this is pre-bearded dragon. I was probably like 15-ish, give or take some, right? So my half-brother came to live with us. Uh, Not my mom's son, my dad's son. Mm -hmm. So, But he came to live with my mom and I for a, a variety of reasons. And for his birthday, he told my mom that he wanted a red-tailed boa. Hmm. So we went to a pet store here, and he picked out a red-tailed boa. Mm -hmm. And we should have known that it was a bad idea right about the time that they were practically willing to give it to us. Yeah, that's Um, not a good sign. (laughs) Well, especially because to this day, and mind you, I have been up close and personal with probably hundreds of cobras. Mm -hmm. And to this day, that remains the nastiest snake I have (laughs) ever been near my whole career in reptiles. Mm -hmm. Um, So my brother was not the most responsible snake owner. And my first experience with a snake ever is when my brother moved out, he left behind the snake and didn't tell anybody that it had gotten out of its cage. Oh, geez. So about three months later, I walked into the living room and I see the snake's head poking out of the couch. I was like, hey, mom, um, there's a snake in the couch. So my first experience with a snake ever, like up close, personal was pulling this red-tailed boa <laughs> out of this couch after cutting the couch open. Oh, my because God. Because I couldn't get it out otherwise. I pull the snake out, and it is just, from the get-go, like, striking and wanting to take out my legs. Like, it was just a horrible, it was an awful snake. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, now, obviously, I know, like, it was probably a wild-cut snake. Mm-hmm. It was probably scared like it was way more scared of me than I was of it but at the time I was definitely way more scared of it than it was of me like so it's on the floor striking at me and I'm like using a broom to like broom it into a dog kennel just like (laughs) trying to get it like put up somewhere my mom is standing on a chair like my best friend who is like I love him to death. And if he hears this, he's going to be so mad at me, but he's totally a girl when it comes to reptiles, (laughs) which is funny. And I say a girl, but like, okay, I don't obviously mean a girl, but like, (laughs) he's a big baby when it comes to reptiles. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, okay. I should say at this time, he Mm -hmm. was totally a big baby when it came to reptiles. Now he loves my cobras, which I think is so funny, Mm -hmm. but he is on the chair with my mom. The same chair, by the way. (laughs) And I'm, like, trying to broom the snake into this kennel. 
So I finally get this kennel shut, which like, I'm sure you can only imagine what a cluster this is. Like it, yeah. it was just, I remember to this day how funny it was. Like, but at the time it was terrifying. That's kind of thing that's funny. Like three minutes after it happens, not during the time it's happening. Or, or like three months later, it was funny. But like <laughs> at the time I was super pissed off and was never going to talk to my brother again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now I'm like, thank God we found this snake and like it didn't get out or, you know, anything like, and I'm grateful that like so many things could have been way worse than they were. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, what am I going to do with the snake? Because I don't want it. Mm-hmm. My mom certainly doesn't want it. <laughs> I don't know any reptile people. Um, I'm like, okay, well, I can take it back to the pet store, but they're probably not going to take it back because like I said, they were like, please take it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I get on Craigslist and I post it on Craigslist and I find it a home and it's gone. And then flash forward, you know, for so let's see, two or three years, I guess. And I get this bearded dragon and we love him. Mm-hmm. So now I've had some exposure to reptiles and I have watched all of these people post their ball pythons and things like that. So, like, shocking that my first snake was a ball python. Um, and it was a killer. I'm good. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, yes. Like, uh, I was going to say, what a surprise. Yes. <laughs> That's everyone's what a surprise. first snake. It, and it's, but it's a good one. Okay. So technically, technically it's my second snake, right? Because I had a rodeo right. as a kid, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like, I'm not even really sure that that counted because a, like, I love Rosie Bowie still. I think that they're great starter snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, I say starter snakes, again, in air quotations. But they're pretty much, like, Kenyan sand boas or anything like that, you know? It's so, a box of dirt. And, like, obviously, it's a box of dirt. Or, and, like, the likelihood of it biting you or, like, any of the things that you're going to see with like pythons and stuff like that or more commonly, I should say mm-hmm. with pythons and things like that. Like I was, I had no idea what to expect. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had been so many years at that point that I definitely didn't know what to expect. Right. So my mom took me to another pet store in the area and it's called animal Ark, and it's in Kingwood. Um, and I got a, killer bee bull python um which again i don't know anything about the spider gene either because i mean i just wanted a ball python i was like that one's pretty mm-hmm. right right i know how to take care of it it's a ball python mm-hmm. and that one's pretty mm-hmm. so that's what we're getting and my mom at the time which again like hopefully this gives everybody a giggle is like you're going to spend $350. This was back when killer bees were like <laughs> expensive, expensive. Yeah. You're going to spend, I don't even remember if it was like $350 or $450 or something. You're going to spend that much on a snake. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish I was still spending that, $300 actually. on snakes. I wish that the ones I liked yeah. were still $300. <laughs> I know. And now I'm like, I can't believe that I ever thought $300 on reptiles was like a lot of money. Like, it's just so funny to me mm-hmm. now because I'm like, man, I like, I, that was child's play yeah. in comparison <laughs> to where I am. Like, but at the time, I was like, this is my big reptile purchase, right? Mm-hmm. 
And, and it was my just mom your was like, I can't believe people spend this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there was not going to be any more reptiles after this, no, right? No, you only get one and so, then you're done. That's what this podcast is about. Just buy one reptile and you'll be happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I All of the other snakes that I have are just my hair. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I had Zippo the snake and I had Cole my bearded dragon. And then my third pet, I got a boyfriend. Um, those are hard to take care of (laughs) they are very hard to take care of and he was not an animal person Mm -hmm. um which if you're an animal person you know like to a degree you can bring people to the dark side Mm -hmm. but it's really hard to bring somebody to the dark side if they're fearful Mm mm-hmm Oh, that's so, for so many different- that's so funny. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt because I literally, no, you're you, okay. you know, Elise Legault, I um just texted her today that a guy on one of the dating apps like commented or liked one of my pictures and it's a picture of me with one of my snakes and his first, the, t- the beginning of his bio says, I'm irrationally afraid of snakes. And I was like, dude, this is not going to work. I'm like, good on no, you for trying, but not, trust me, this is not the only one. <laughs> it's so, yeah, no, I don't even like dating, dating after a whole nother story. So like, <laughs> that's I'm another podcast on my dating. I, I, I don't even know, like, cause that is a legitimate issue. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, I, I think it's interesting. It's like, we're going to get sidetracked for a minute, I'm but totally this is an important hot topic for me is that I have a ton and you like if anybody that's listening keeps venomous snakes it it's still kind of a man's world yeah like majority of the keepers are men mm-hmm. I mean not as reptiles in general but venomous especially we do not see as many female venomous keepers mm-hmm. as we see female keepers in general right mm-hmm. so um I have I'm I'm so painfully honest that it hurts other people sometimes. <laughs> like my my dating profile is pretty much like I hope that you can accept that you're gonna come after my animals because that's just the reality of it. Like I I'm just gonna be straight up with you. Like I'll cancel a date to spend time with my bird. So <laughs> at least you're honest. I'll tell you. Oh, but I am. I'm very honest. Like I have my my dating profile picture right now. Is actually me with my snouted cobra. Mm-hmm. And then the very following picture is me with my hawk. So, so people if know. they could get past the snake and then they could get past the hawk, then I guess they can stay, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know tons and tons of male venomous keepers. And mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting having talked to them about like dating and stuff mm-hmm. that women in general um, tend to be more accepting yes of someone who keeps venomous snakes than men yes. on dating apps who meet women who keep venomous snakes yes 1000 yes. is- i've had this conversation with people and if you're not like someone who's young well not necessarily young but someone who's like actively dating it's it's really hard for i and i think that's just in general it- that women will put up with more things from men than men are willing to put up with things from women i think it's also and like and okay bless my mom I love her to death 
and we pretty much agree on most things. I've had to bring her to the dark side, mm-hmm. but like there has definitely been a day or two where she's like, you can't get mad if men feel like you emasculate them because you emasculate everybody. Like yeah. <laughs> just, there's nobody. And I was like, okay, well you might be, re- and it's not even just the animals. I'm just a really big personality. Mm-hmm in general mm-hmm. and I'm weird and quirky mm-hmm. and covered in tattoos and opinionated and, and yeah. covered in tattoos and I am definitely a lot to handle so I can't really knock her for saying that <laughs> um like and I want to be clear because like I love love my mom but um we, I, I don't remember even who I was talking to about it. And I'm just like, it's such crap. Excuse my language, which is actually really oh, good language. For no, me. yeah, don't worry. Yeah, this is, this is an explicit podcast. You're fine. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'm not going to try very hard to Yeah, don't. You're fine. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I was like, this is bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. why is it that you guys, like, a girl who's never been near a snake in her life will be like, oh, yeah, I want to come over and see your snake. But I get a dating message that's like, you'd be cute if you didn't have that snake, though. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, I don't understand. It's the good thing fair. is, is it, it weeds them out early. Well, and the thing is, is like, I'm bisexual. So I talk to women on the dating apps also, which is another story because I'm really bad at flirting with other girls. <laughs> like just in general, mm-hmm. I suddenly become like a hermit and I'm just shy and scared. And I'm like, I can't flirt. I don't know how. I don't remember. <laughs> um, so like a majority of my experience and I'm okay. I'm also one of those people that because I'm so busy, I am the bad person who waits for somebody to message me. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think, and okay, I'm making a broad generalization, but I have noticed that like women I match with seem less likely to message me first Mm -hmm. than men, Mm -hmm. usually because the men that message me are sending me messages like, hey, show a boob or something. So, I I mean, my beer on the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's like, it's always bad it's like hi boob like that's it <laughs> that's the whole message yeah so, you know it's a great uh, or, starter yeah or just something like equally as terrible mm-hmm. and usually when women message me it's nicer it's like oh my gosh your animals are so cute like blah blah blah, blah which is a whole nother story because if anybody seems like being a venomous keeper i have to be really careful who i let into my house yeah um yeah absolutely you have to have a lot of trust in them and so for that reason if anybody seems too overly eager to meet my animals i get freaked out and then i'm Mm -hmm. like "Mm." so going back to my third pet the boyfriend (laughs) uh we dated for about a year Mm -hmm. and the straw that broke that camel's back mm-hmm. was a Gila monster. Mm-hmm. Um, so for my 21st, I, I want to say it was my 21st birth. No, no, would it have to have been, okay, I don't remember when it was because I'm 22, so it had to have been maybe my 19th birthday. Mm-hmm. 
I got my Gila monster for my 21st birthday, but like that's jumping ahead of things. So mm-hmm. it was probably like my 18th birthday because it was a, I just remember it was a big birthday. Yeah. So I followed this guy on Instagram and the Instagram is Chris has Gila's. Mm-hmm. Um, Straight to the point. And he posted, yeah, oh yeah. And he posted his Gila monsters all the time and I was obsessed and mm-hmm. i will have to go back to my facebook and try to find you this photo um but anyways i was obsessed with his halo monsters i decided that's what i wanted for my birthday present mm-hmm. because remember i was obsessed with lizards yeah i only had this one snake mm-hmm. and i had had a bunch of lizards so i was like no it's fine it's a venomous lizard but like you know it's not a big deal like because at the time i'd never been bitten by a Gila monster. Yeah. When I finally did get my Gila monster, I got bit by a Gila monster, Jeez. and now I know that it's not a joke. Yeah. Did you um, have to go to the which hospital? Which is another... Oh, yes. Um, in fact, my 21st birthday present... So, uh, okay, so, like, cheating in my story, I did not get my Gila monster, but mm-hmm. um, I did end up getting a Gila monster for my 21st birthday, mm-hmm. and... I got it like three days before my 21st birthday. Mm-hmm. The night before it bit me, I went to the hospital and spent the whole night of my 21st birthday in the hospital with the Gila monster bite. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Just what you want. And that was like, I want to say that that was like a Wednesday, right? And then like that Friday, I went out bar hopping. So <laughs> At least I mean, the recovery wasn't too bad. Too okay. No, I, I mean, honestly, I spent like probably like four to six hours in the hospital and it was definitely not comfortable, but I had a pretty nasty reaction. Like my arm, my whole hand swelled up and my arm up to like almost like mid upper arm mm-hmm. swelled and it probably stayed swollen for 36 hours. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the swelling was the absolute worst part of it. Yeah. But at the time, I'm like, well, it's a lizard, so it's not going to bite you, you know, like. Yeah, the things you don't I know. I didn't know any better. Yeah. Yeah, so in, ret- in retrospect, it was probably a good thing that I didn't get it at the time. Um, but I, I was determined I was going to get it for my mm-hmm. 18th birthday. And my boyfriend at the time had a huge problem with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, you know, what are you going to do when we move in together? Or, like, when you have kids and, you know, and at the time, I was still wasn't even sure if I wanted to have kids. And I think that um, my head just, like, exploded. And I was like, okay, this person is trying to make all of these decisions for me. Mm-hmm. And, like, one, I'm not, I don't think I'm old enough or mature enough to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. But... I also, like, don't want anybody who, I don't want to be with somebody who makes me tone down my passions. I think it's one thing if somebody wants you to think them through. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a bad thing to have somebody who brings you back to reality and is like, okay, Mm -hmm. you need to think this through before you do it. But I also think that if it's something you really love and you're passionate about, the person that you're with should support you. Mm-hmm. even if it means making the compromise and like because that was a thing is I actually was trying to be a mature adult, adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like 
okay, well, you know, what if it, like, if we move in together, which like, it's so weird now. Cause I'm like, no, I'll just never move out of my mom's house. Like we get along <laughs> so well and keep all of my animals. Um, you know, like I, I don't have to like pressure myself to be like an adult too fast. Right. And I really want to go back to school, but that's going to like a side conversation, which is if I want to pay for school, like I don't need to pay for rent. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, for sure anyway he I was like okay well if we move in together um I'll just keep the Hilo monster at my mom's house mm-hmm. and I'll go back and forth to take care of him mm-hmm. and like he didn't even want me to do that mm-hmm. like, so can I interrupt really fast no go ahead so at this point where you are saying like hey I want a Hilo monster what has your experience been with venomous reptiles if any none None. None. So what got um, so this one Instagram account just kind of got in your head that this is what you wanted? And okay, yeah, oh yeah, no, that's totally it's pretty much like, and I mean, mind you, I was an eighteen-year-old kid who was like, why not? Like, yeah, because I think it's I think it's interesting because I've I've seen you post on Facebook and stuff about like the importance of like getting a mentor and like helping mentor people who are in venomous. So your story, it's just surprising to me. I would have thought yeah, you no. would have gone a more traditional route. Well, and so I think that, and like, that's what I'm saying, like, in retrospect, I, it's a good thing that I did not get the heel monster, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I did break up with that boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So the reason that that is really important for my story is because then I was kind of back into the place where I was with um, my bearded dragon where I was like, okay. I'm single now, you know, I'm home all the time. I'm like, I'm, I'm really enjoying the reptiles I have. Mm -hmm. I don't even honestly remember why I didn't get a Gila monster. Like my mom didn't really have a problem with it. Um, But I did end up getting a parrot. So Mm -hmm. I still, I also still have my parrot. His name Mm -hmm. is Petrie. And that ended up being my 18th birthday present. I love it. Um, that was like my first introduction to birds, which is important for other reasons. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I don't even really remember like what the next thing that happened was, mm-hmm. but I actually had a couple reach out to me who are, are, well, they used to be, they're not really, they don't do, really do reptiles anymore. Mm -hmm. But they used to be, like, big names in the Texas community. Mm -hmm. And they reached out to me asking me to be their pet sitter that summer. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was, like, my first huge exposure to a huge reptile collection, right? Like, I'm talking, Mm -hmm. like, a hundred animals. Yeah. And I got to watch them for, like, three weeks. And so I was in heaven. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. And they had a big venomous collection. Now, I didn't watch their venomous stuff um, mm-hmm. because I obviously didn't have the experience. But I watched all of their geckos and the monitors. And, you know, they put a lot of trust in me to do that. Mm-hmm. So then I had kind of gotten some experience and they started kind of introducing me to other people in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so... After that, uh, after that, those couple of weeks were over, mm-hmm. I was just obsessed. 
and I got a tegu and, you know, I started to really like build a collection, right? Mm -hmm. This is like the first time when I'm actively like doing this research on other things and seeking out specific species that I want to work with. Right. So like I get my first tegu, his, his name's Listerine. He's missing <laughs> a foot. He's a Florida wild caught um, mm-hmm. tegu. And the reason for his name is because when I went to pick him up from the pet store, I thought I was going to hold him like a baby and he bit my thumb and wouldn't let go. And so he had to be Listerine off of my thumb. Um, and he, I still have him and well, and I actually don't even know if it's a boy or girl still to this day, but Mm -hmm. I love that lizard and he's like a puppy dog now. Okay. I shouldn't say a puppy dog. He's definitely like a dog, but like one of those vicious little chihuahuas. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, I started building that up and she, they started introducing me to people. Um, and I actually ended up pet sitting for a couple of the other people in the community. Um, and I started helping them just like a little bit. Like they did, uh, they used to do, and they might still, we haven't, because of COVID, we haven't really gotten together to do educational uh, displays. Mm-hmm. But like they would have some help them at educational demos, which is how I got into education. Um, like I'd bring my bearded dragons and a uh, few snakes or whatever and show them to people and let people hold them and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually how I met Elise Lago and Sean Gray and his wife and all of those people. Um, and it's so weird to talk about this because I've never sat down and actually like gone through my like history. No, I think it's I, it's so fun. I think it's such like an honor to be able to sit down with you and, and talk through it. And I'm not oh, saying a lot because I'm just thoroughly enjoying the story. It's it's such a bad story. Like it really <laughs> so, sometimes I'm like, wow, that's so embarrassing. Like yeah, is, but we all have I that. want people to I want people to learn from the mistakes that I made. And if I could go back now. Um, I think that like one of the big things that I would change is how fast and furious I got animals because I was so excited and so eager mm-hmm. that I didn't say no. If yeah. somebody offered me something, whether I was really interested in it or not, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I've never worked with that before. I'll bring out the gal try. Whatever. So, question for you. What at that time? So, I I know now you primarily work with hots, but at that time, were you in the in the Python world? There's a lot of worry about nidovirus and like those kinds of diseases. Is that something that you were worried about? Was any potential diseases you were letting into your collection, or were you just kind of like, I'll take it? Um. No, I was always really good. So like I have, like I said, I have really bad anxiety. So mm-hmm. I was always really careful about like quarantining and stuff. And okay, so you I were have, doing like that said, from the really beginning. Cool mom. Yeah. Um, and mostly because again, like the people who got me like really into reptiles were big reptile people themselves. Mm-hmm. So it was always like stressed to me that you do things the right way. Yeah. I definitely would say that like, I'm probably one of the few people 
I, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to make the assumption, but I'm one of the few people that I know of that when I really got into reptiles, didn't make them those like mistakes, mm-hmm. but it kind of was by sheer luck, like mm-hmm. really. But I'm also such an anxious person that like bringing stuff in causes me anxiety. Like to this day, I'm, I, I actually, so like I have a snake room and, but I quarantine everything in my living room first mm-hmm. um, or my bedroom. So, Okay. I, we're jumping ahead again, but um, and we'll and we'll get to this because, like, I I do I don't want to give the idea that I was always perfect because I don't think that that teaches anybody anything, and I want to own my mistakes. Like, right. So, one of the reasons that I am so pro getting a mentor and pro being safe um, is because I did have a mentor. But I definitely still made mistakes in my safety, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, it, and it wasn't it, it wasn't handling mistakes, um, which so going back um, that the couple that I pet sat for kind of introduced me more to Andy Maddox, who uh, co-owns and manages um, Pets of Plenty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he became my mentor, but the, he inter- they introduced me to him, and I offered to pet sit for him, and we just kind of became friends. And one day, I don't know, I, I had kind of been thinking about getting into venomous because I still wanted the Gila monster, but also because um, that same couple they were really into doing like free relocations, which is mm-hmm. a big thing here because we have so many snakes. Right. Um, and I wanted to do relocations. And my mom was like, I don't care. You know, I'll support whatever you want to do. But I really want you to do it uh, to be safe if you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that you need to find a mentor. Mm-hmm. So quite honestly, had I not had my mom being the adult, even though I was an adult, had I not had her being like, you're not having venomous snakes in my house. I don't know if I would have been as safe as I was, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I would have waited to find a mentor or, you know, luckily I had her. So, like, I can't complain too much, right? Like, I'm safe. But she she was like, I want you to find a mentor, you know, as long as they have a lot of experience and they'll teach you the right way to do things, they'll support you. Mm-hmm. But I really didn't have the idea that I was going to keep venomous snakes, right? Mm-hmm. I was just going to do relocations. So I'm like, this will just give you an idea of the kind of person I am. I call up Pets of Plenty and I'm like, hey, is Andy working today? Because, right, like this is totally a question that I could have gone like and given him over the phone. Right. But I wasn't going to give him the opportunity to say no. <laughs> That was pretty much the, um, like, that was that was pretty much my plan is I was like, he's going to have a lot harder time saying no to me if I'm giving him puppy dog eyes in his store. Yeah, right? and you're showing like, up and yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm showing up and I'm proving that it means enough to me that I'm showing up regardless mm-hmm. of whether you say yes or no. Right. 
So I showed up to the store and they're super busy and still to this day it's like every time I show up they're super busy but um I so I waited I waited for the store to kind of die down a little and he finally walked away from a customer and I think I just like bolted to him I was like nobody's getting to him before I do (laughs) and I walked up to him and I was like Andy I want to learn vitamin snakes and I want you to teach me and Tell me how I do that. And I honestly think I was so excited that I didn't even hear what he said. All I remember is that he didn't say no. Perfect. That's all you needed. Right. Yeah. I was like, even a maybe is I'll take a maybe. Mm -hmm. Like as long as he doesn't say no. Right. So like, I don't know, probably a couple of weeks later um, for my birthday, we started venomous handling classes. And it's so funny now because like my first venomous handling class, um, I had never touched a snake hook ever. That's one way to start. Mm -hmm. I don't even think that he knew that. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not even sure that he knows that now. So if he's hearing this, I'm sorry. But hey, you know what? I didn't end up being that bad of a student, right? So it's fine. It worked out. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And... But I, I showed a lot of, like, you know, interest because I was reading everything that I could read. I was joining all of these venomous groups and I was reading everything that every venomous keeper, you know, was saying. And I was adding a bunch of venomous keepers on Facebook and I was paying attention to what they were posting. Mm-hmm. So I was learning scientific names and I was, you know, learning safety protocols and where to get bite protocols and all of these different things Mm -hmm. on my own. Mm -hmm. So when he would ask me a question, I would know the answer, but I didn't really have any hands-on experience. So I had, I had a benefit a different way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also had a lot of people vouching for me at that point that it was like, okay, this is somebody who's going to be responsible and they're not using your animals as toys. And I, I had some people that were like, that had my back and supported me doing it and could be like kind of a reference for him to be like, okay, this person is serious. Right. Cause uh, it's just, it's just, so I did my first hand venomous. I was just saying it, it's, it's so important that the mentor trusts the mentee as much, if not even more than the mentee trusts the mentor. So it's good that you kind of came with those like, Hey, here's some people that can vouch for who I am and in my skills. I think so being a venomous keeper now who's kept for several years. um, I, I agree to a point. um, But I think that unfortunately People are so eager to find a mentor, especially like in my experience, people in Florida are a little bit more willing to mentor Mm -hmm. only because they know that that's the system that they have in place there. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Texas, there's pretty much no system Uh, like we have permits and stuff, Mm -hmm. but you can pretty much walk in somewhere, get your permit and get a venomous snake it's really not like you don't have to have to actually show any work uh so in texas people kind of feel like why would i risk my 
myself or my snakes to mentor someone um, because they can risk themselves and their snakes on their own. Mm-hmm. And and I get that mindset, like because now people ask me to mentor them, which is a whole nother can of worms. Um, now I kind of understand like how much responsibility that is. I do agree that like it's important for a mentor to trust who they're bringing into their home. But when you're super excited, it's my experience that you'll agree to just about anything to pursue your like dream. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of people that in my opinion and and I'm saying this as someone who like I personally have not mentored someone. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because even though I've been keeping for multiple years now, I think that the wealth of knowledge and responsibility that you have to have for another person is a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I'm there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will, to this day, I maintain a relationship with my mentor where I think that if I ever seriously wanted to mentor someone, I could go to him and be like, am I ready? And he would be honest with me. Right. Um, I have had a couple of people ask me this year if I would mentor them. Um, and there have been one or two people who I would, would still consider mentoring mm-hmm. um, with my mentor's approval. Mm-hmm. But I've just been so busy that I haven't been able to schedule that or even really think about it. Um, So it it is kind of my opinion that there are definitely people who don't know as much as they think that they know. Um, And maybe they might know just as much as me, Mm -hmm. but I still don't think that they're in a position to be mentoring somebody else because they're still making lots of mistakes. And I think that venomous keeping means having to try to be as close to perfect as possible anytime you're in that room. Mm -hmm. And there are very few people who can live up to that standard on an everyday basis. So like, like you said, I do post all the time. Like I think having a mentor is an invaluable resource. I can't tell you how many times, even now, like I have called Andy at like, 12 o'clock at night freaking out about mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. and not and sometimes it's like something stupid like I called him once because uh I keep Congo water cobras mm-hmm. and when I first got my first one um he got stuck shed and he'd never had stuck shed before um and there aren't a lot of people who have worked with Congo water cobras but they move a little bit like a cracked out Colette snake. <laughs> um, so uh, for people who aren't familiar with that, like a North American equivalent would be a little bit more like they move a little bit more like a coral snake mm-hmm. um, where they're just kind of very wiry and they'll thrash and, you know, yeah. they're just a little bit crazy. Yeah. And they're a smaller cobra. They're like, three to four foot mm-hmm. um and that and that's a pretty good size one in my experience with them 
so I was like freaking out. I was like, I don't want to try to peel this snake, right? Like, oh yeah, I knew that was a bad idea. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. And I must have called him at like midnight, and one was like, Andy, what do I do? And so he gave me this. Uh, I had never, up until this point, had to had to like uh, people do humid hide boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he has a version of that which is a plastic tote with wet sphagnum moss. Mm-hmm. And that works really well for cobras in my experience. Um, they'll mostly move around enough that it gets it off themselves. Mm-hmm. But Congo water cobras are really prone to water blisters. Hmm. So that's ironic. I was freaking out. I was like, yeah, I know. And like, if they get in their water bowl to soak, luckily mine is like broken. And he doesn't really have any interest in sitting in his water. But if they sit in their water, like, they'll kill themselves, unfortunately. Wow. Um, so I was freaking out. I was like, I can't put him in a human hide box, Andy. What if he gets a water blister? Mm-hmm. Like, So what? Really I'm fast. Terribly- Ex- explain what, like, if it gets a water blister, what does that mean? Uh, so if they get water blisters, generally, so they're fish eaters, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of like Nerodia is that usually after they get a water blister, it's just kind of downhill from there, mm-hmm. and you can put them um, on paper towels and try to dry it out and put SSD cream on it, but you know the best preventative is just preventing it in general, right? Right. Right. Um, So my concern at the time was if I leave it in this humid hide box overnight, like uh, is being suggested, what if he gets a water blister, right? Right. And then what do I do? Because then I'm back to like square one, which is I don't want to have to put my hands on this snake. There's Mm -hmm. no antivenom for this snake, which Mm -hmm. is so like, by the way, my first cobra, no antivenom. Nice. Uh, Really strong way to start. (laughs) It was, it was my second cobra. Okay. I, my first cobra was a monocled cobra named Giblet, okay. who, if you're friends with me on Facebook. Is that the White seen, Claw? She's, she's the White Claw cobra. Oh, the White Claw cobra. Um, I'm going to post that picture if you'll let me, because I think it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And people in know fact, her birthday is in four days. It's on the 29th. Oh, happy birthday. And I haven't. I have a new birthday. It, it'll be her third birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll have a new birthday picture. To post Exciting. Okay. That's good to know, but I like the white claw. Okay. So, so you're, but, Andy's telling you to soak this snake. You're worried about water blisters. No, he wants me to put it in a humid hide. In a humid box. hide. Pardon me. Pardon but, me. Right. No, it's okay. But um, I, I say that because I really, to this day, I think honestly that I, if I ever came to a point where like the snake was dehydrated or anything, I think I'd almost tube feed it water or like Pedialyte mm-hmm. before I would soak it. Mm-hmm. Like that's how w- freaked out I am about water blisters. Cause I, I bought a baby that got water blister. It got one water blister and I was keeping it very dry mm-hmm. and it died like two days later. Hmm. Um, and, and and that's just a thing with babies. It it very well could have been that it just was not, you know, going to live to begin with. 
Right. Um, but because of that, it just reinforced my idea that I will never let my one get a mm-hmm. water blister because I've had him now for three years and he's mm-hmm. doing great. Um, and I think, I mean, and please, if anybody finds out otherwise, I would love to be corrected because I have been trying to find other people that kept keep them for almost three years. But I think myself and Fascination Herp are the only people in the United States that I'm aware of that still keep them. Okay. Um, Hmm. Well, if anyone knows. So, yeah, if anyone knows, I would love to know if anybody else has them. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I I actually did talk to, uh, I reached out to like Tom Crutchfield. He used to have one. um, And I don't think I ever got a reply back from him. But I reached out to uh, uh, several other guys that had them when they were first originally imported in. And either all of them had already died or they um, had been sold. Mm -hmm. So if anybody has, I know that there are some people in Europe who have them. Mm -hmm. In fact, they were successfully bred in Europe. Uh, And Fascination Herb actually successfully bred them this past year. That's exciting. So we're, yeah, so there definitely could be more people who have them, um, but I'm just not aware of it if they are, mm-hmm. if there are. Uh, so anyway, um, he, you know, he's telling me to put it in this moss box and I'm freaking out. I'm like, I don't want to have to put my hands on this snake unless I have to. But my point being is that, you know, I call him at 11 o'clock at night and he's answering because we have that relationship where like I try not to abuse that relationship either. Like I try, especially now not to call him for stupid stuff, Mm -hmm. but at the time, everything seemed like such a big deal. Right. Um, And in fact, now looking back, I'm like, I probably got upset about stuff that he was laughing at me about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's really important to have a relationship like that with somebody who does have that kind of information and knowledge. And I hope to see more people, more knowledgeable people wanting to mentor, but it concerns me a lot when I feel like somebody is too eager Mm -hmm. to mentor because it's so much responsibility that I feel like if you're too eager, you might not really understand the full, like, scope of what it means to mentor someone. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing to think about, too, is, like, just because somebody's offering doesn't mean you have to say yes. Right. And sometimes it shows more responsibility to say no mm-hmm. than it does to say yes. That's a good thing to remember if anybody's trying to get into venomous keeping is like definitely anybody who is in a position to mentor you is not going to be offended by your asking questions to make sure that you are safe Mm -hmm. like if I had asked Andy what's your experience level like I really don't think that he would have been mad at me 
because quite honestly, you need to be just as concerned about your safety as the person who's mentoring you. And if you're not as concerned about your safety as you should be, that tells me that you're not ready for venomous snakes Mm -hmm. because so many things can go wrong. Hey guys, sorry for um, an awkward transition, but we just had some tech issues that I blamed on Hayden and were 1000% my fault. So, (laughs) so we're back and I don't remember what we were talking about because I was so convinced that you'd fucked up and it was me. So (laughs) (laughs) like, what is happening? But no, I don't remember where exactly we were other than basically I'm telling you long story short, don't accept a shitty mentor just to have a mentor yes yes okay so so then I'm gonna I'm gonna redirect then because I'm in charge um (laughs) so I would love to chat okay so you get started with this mentor you uh like decide hey I want to do venomous what was your first venomous that you got and now two or three years later what's your collection looking like so my first venomous snake was a little white, um, a white-lipped viper. Okay. Who I named String Bean. Okay. And why did you um, get a white-lipped? Why was that your choice? Honestly, because it was something that I worked with. Uh, when I first got into venomous, I really wanted to get into arboreal vipers. Mm-hmm. And I just you know, the opportunity arose to get that. Um, and, oh, you know what? Hmm. No. Okay. Yeah. No, no I'm right. My white lip was- <laughs> I wasn't oh, going right. to argue with you. The white lip was my first one, I think, but like, okay. So, and this is where, what I was talking about earlier, when I say, I wish like looking back that I had not jumped in quite as head first as I mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. Um, I got the white lip viper a gaboon viper and a rhino viper pretty close together um like in the span of like maybe a month I got all three of those mm-hmm. now um I really liked the white lip viper for a little while mm-hmm. I really like, like I said, I really wanted to get into Arboreal Viper, so it, the opportunity arose to get him, and I was super excited about it, um, because I had never owned a venomous snake. I'd only ever worked with the ones that Andy had. So, your first venomous snake, I think, is always special. Mm-hmm. Um, it teaches you a lot, and it also kind of gives you an idea of how complacent you're going to allow yourself to be, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was never, and still to this day, uh, do not free handle my venomous snakes. Mm-hmm. I, I am of the belief that it is not my business to tell you what you can and can't do with your animals. But I think that being intentionally irresponsible is a bad look for our hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I've seen certain people who I won't name, um, free handle their snakes and definitely have a better understanding of body language and, um, 
handling than maybe I even do. So, so I'll, I'm going to cut in as someone who doesn't work with venomous. I, I have, but it's like very, very limited. I think it's interesting that you bring that up because you say you're not going to name them, which means that any free handling that they're doing is not plastered all over TikTok or Facebook or Instagram, which I think is like the real delineation between yeah, like those. Think, real- Go ahead. No, I think you're that. That is yes. I um, a lot of the people that I am talking about specifically do not advertise that they free handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be like very specific that it's not my mentor or anybody. It's not somebody that I've talked about already. So like, right. I don't want people to be trying to like, who done it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> discovering because honestly, like there are situations where free, like if you want to, if the technical definition of free handling is putting your hands on an animal without a hook, then everybody to an extent if you keep certain species has probably free handled mm-hmm. on someone i mean most king cobras when you're talking about a 12 foot snake yeah you're been, tailing them and yeah it, i mean it, anything could border on but like there are people now posting pictures kissing puff adders on the head and yeah. and like and like I said, I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't do with your snakes. Mm-hmm. Not my business. But eventually that becomes everybody's a good business when it starts to affect the hobby as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people who I'm talking about when I say they're free handling, but I think that they have a good idea of like body language and stuff. They might be free handling, but they're not doing it for like internet clout, right? Right. They're it's not, it tells me a lot about how much you respect the capability of the animal in front of you mm-hmm. if you're treating it like it's a toy. Right. And having been bitten by the Gila monster, mm-hmm. and by the way, that was a fluke accident, really. Mm-hmm. I like swear to God, I, it was, I went to put him down, he spun around, bit the inside of my finger. Mm-hmm. Totally my fault. But I wasn't like, doing stuff to be stupid intentionally right right and accidents like that are going to happen I mean people get bit handling the way that they're supposed to handle and Mm -hmm. people get bit free handling and I mean there are tons of different ways to get bit because you're dealing with a wild animal Mm -hmm. um but it tells me a lot if I don't feel like and okay honestly the way that I feel in the broad scheme of things is not fact or really important Mm -hmm. but I feel like if if you're treating your animals like a toy you don't respect what they're capable of doing right and that is scary to me because Mm -hmm. when you stop respecting what that animal can do you're putting it and yourself in a really dangerous position Mm -hmm. um that is, you know, that's how complacency starts is when you start to think that you're above being bitten mm-hmm. or you're above having an accident. Um, and I mean, to this day, and, and people will come at me, I'm sure, because like 
if you post a picture of Giblet with the white claw. Like, I love to have fun with my animals. I think that it's really great if you can show, like, these animals that are really scary to people. Mm-hmm. Um, if show them in a different light, in a different situation that maybe right. makes them less scary to the average person. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've had people message me and be like, listen, like, I was, in fact, one of my favorite comments ever. Um, she messaged me and she said, I used to have nightmares about snakes. Mm-hmm. And I started watching the photos you posted of Giblet. And it made me realize, that, like, to you, that snake is no different than a cat might be to me. Or, mm-hmm. like, and I, and I mean, I did. I told her, I was like, I still respect what that snake can do. But yeah. that snake isn't out to get anybody either. Yeah, absolutely. And I it, that's that's so refreshing to hear that someone said that because I feel like you just don't get that often. No, but you know what? I will say, like, I hear a lot of people say, you know, there's no point in arguing with people or, you know, trying to change somebody's mind. And sometimes, like, you know, if you get the the only good snake is a dead snake, people. Yeah. That, that's definitely like at that point it's pretty much just better to be like okay well clearly we're not going to agree so whatever Mm -hmm. but there are people who are afraid of animals and like I'll tell you a funny fact about me after I say this um and you'll laugh I'm sure honestly (laughs) uh the there are lots of people who have this like an irrational fear or a societal like induced fear of something mm-hmm. that really don't want to feel that way like mm-hmm. it's an inconvenience in their daily life to feel yeah that way. yep I have an irrational fear and I've said this in the podcast before but I'm terrified of earthworms and it's the worst fear like it's such a stupid fear and I know it's really <laughs> dumb but so, like even thinking about that makes me nauseous okay so you'll love my irrational fear then Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually have like two really irrational fears. Yeah. My first one, which I've kind of, okay. I say that I've kind of gotten over it, mm-hmm. but I have legitimate like clinical arachnophobia. Hmm. Um, and I know so many people who keep spot and I am not one of those people like in general, I couldn't hurt a fly. I'm like that person. Yeah. So I'm not the smush it, like kill it. Burn it with fire. Yeah. I'm not that way. But like, I don't want to be near them. Or at least at that point, I didn't want to be near them. I didn't want to look at them. It totally freaked me out. Mm-hmm. But I knew when I started to get really into reptiles that I was going to have to be around them because that's just a part. Yeah. It's, it literally is just a part of it. And so (laughs) the first time I ever was like, okay, I'm going to like face my fear. Mm I went like big dick energy all the way. I walked into Animal Arc actually, which I'm like putting a little plug in there for them again. Mm -hmm. Um, I walked into Animal Arc and they had this giant Goliath bird eater. (laughs) And I was like, and I said, Trey, let me hold that. And he looked at me like I had three heads. And I actually still have this picture on my Facebook. I'll have to see if I can find it. 
Yeah, please send it my way. It like curled up my arm and I was like, I had my eyes closed. Oh my God. (laughs) But I walked out of that pet store with Mm -hmm. that Goliath bird eater. Oh, really? Um, I did. And it was a mature male, so it didn't live very long. I had about a year probably. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was like my first tarantula. And I was pretty much terrified it terrified of it like the entire time it was alive yeah so like to clean it I would put like a big like bin in its enclosure and like use like a paintbrush and like scare it into the bin and then like (laughs) close the bin clean its enclosure like whatever and then Mm -hmm. like do the same thing to get it out like I never touched it and if it like started to like get too fast or anything I'd like squeal (laughs) um so then after that, I didn't have any tarantulas for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I have, oh, and then I got a scorpion, which I don't actually seem to have as big of like a weird fear of scorpions. Right. But I don't really enjoy keeping them. Yeah. Um, so then after that, I actually got a C Versicolor. Um, okay. And then... After my C Versicolor, I got an adult green bottle blue, which I still have. Oh, my God. You really went balls to the wall. I did. Um, mm-hmm. But you know what? And then I got jumping. I got a jumping spider. Okay. Those are cute. Um, okay. Well, so I say that I pretty much got over my fear. And I pretty much got over my fear. Like, I definitely, like, enjoy and appreciate them now. But I mm-hmm. still don't want to touch them. <laughs> So, but you know what? That's progress to me. And you're not really supposed to touch them anyways. So, well, and I don't, but I don't want them to touch me either. That's the, (laughs) let me preface that I don't want them on me at all. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. That is when I start to get like panicky a little bit. Mm And at that point I'm like, okay, if I'm panicking, this isn't safe for the animal either. Right. Right. Not Um, at all. I think that with the Goliath bird eater, when I held him that one time, which like, okay, yes, at the time you're not supposed to hold them, but I held them that one time. So like, we're going to let it slide, I guess. I, I won't tell. I won't tell anyone. No one's going to know. It's okay. The whole podcast. Except, you know, except guys, everyone listening to the podcast. <laughs> you guys don't tell anybody. It's, it's, yeah, a guys, it's our little secret. Just shh, It's the secret. I did. I But like, to me, just the fact that I now respect them as animals and- mm-hmm. I'm not as fearful like I don't have any like ill feelings towards them means that I like I'm at least able to be respectful and loving and supportive to my friends who love and respect and support Mm -hmm. an arachnid hobby and that's important to me but the one irrational fear that I still have that I don't think I'll ever get over is and I've talked about this on my Facebook um I have a horrible, horrible fear of flying insects, like, <laughs> like crying, screaming, hyperventilating fear. Like, um, like a fruit fly or like a dragonfly or both? No. Okay. So I should say that it's like, I'm a little like bigoted in my flying insects, the term flying insects, mm-hmm. but like the ones for me are wasps. Yeah. Be- bees. I okay. like literally will pee on myself not really <laughs> but I probably honestly like if one stung me I might I I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mm-hmm. put it past. um 
And then, okay, like the stupid one is that I have a like vomit inducing fear of June bugs. That's funny. Interesting. It is. And my uncle, I love him, but he thinks it's so funny. He'll go outside and catch a June bug and like bring it over to me and I'll like. Oh, what a jerk. But I like, he's, he's just that person. And I'll yeah. like look at it and I'll be like, if you let that thing go, I'm going to kick you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you're close enough that if I kick you, you're like, you're going to get kicked. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I mean, like for the most part, as I've gotten older, like I've just managed to avoid them, mm-hmm. but um, bees and wasps are still like a really bad fear of mine. Like, yeah like really anxiety inducing and my mom's always like you just need to get stung like if you got stung you wouldn't be afraid anymore and that's probably true you but I mean I see what she's saying which is like I think that the fear for me is like it's like the fear of the unknown Mm -hmm. but honestly I don't even think I could let it get to that point before (laughs) I would like it would be so traumatizing because of my reaction yeah that it's just easier for everyone if I leave them alone and they leave me alone that's funny when I when I became a falconer I started spending a lot more time outside yeah I was gonna I think this is a good time to transition to that so like let's talk about falconry okay so what do you want to (laughs) know okay so first of all goose who is goose Goose is my juvenile red-tailed hawk. Um, he is probably like the light of my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he, when I mean, you when you're getting into falconry, how the hell do you get a hawk? Well, it it, it depends on state to state. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I will say, like here, I'm I'm still a first year apprentice, so I have to be careful about like. I'm not allowed to educate on falconry, right? Okay, I can talk yeah. about my experiences. Um, yeah. But if you're interested in becoming a falconer, a good place to start is checking out the National Association, or sorry, the North American Falconry Association, mm-hmm. and, uh, NAFA. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can Google them, and yeah, that'll give you tons of information on how to become a falconer. Um, you know where to start books to read all sorts of things like that mm-hmm. um but when I decided that I wanted to get into falconry there was actually a huge um like a lot of falconers are also herpers mm-hmm. uh, or like falconers that became reptile people afterwards mm-hmm. um so in fact are in Texas our I think he's um, like excuse me if you listen to this Corey or his wife (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he the president I think okay I'll look it up but yeah um he's like the president of our Texas club and Mm -hmm. he's actually a herpetology like professor at uh school here oh that's really Um, cool and now I'm trying to his name's Corey Rolk uh Rolke I don't know how to say his last name I'm sorry 
It's okay. Rove, <laughs> R-O-E-L-E-E. So he's an assistant professor at UT Arlington. Cool. Um, but he does like, I don't know if he teaches herpetology or what exactly, but mm-hmm. I believe that like is somewhere in his scope of things. But my point being is like, he's actually a herper, but he's also a falconer. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of overlap there. So like when I decided I wanted to be a falconer, I knew a few people who were falconers. Mm-hmm. Um, but a friend of mine who I met through Venomous Snakes actually introduced me to Corey and um, another man who's a part of our Texas club. And mm-hmm. they introduced me to my sponsor. So that's how I got into falconry was I just had kind of a gateway. I had always been, like I had said earlier, um, I got my first parrot. And I just kind of decided I really liked birds. Yeah. So I became sort of fascinated with raptors. I've always really liked vultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like, I don't know if I completely understood, but when I decided I want to be a falconer, I don't mm-hmm. think I completely understood what that meant at mm-hmm. first. So like at its core, falconry is about hunting and I was not a hunter. Um, in fact, I am technically not a hunter outside of falconry, mm-hmm. but I come from this animal background. And when I started talking to my sponsor, I was like, listen, you don't have to teach me that this is a wild animal. You don't have to teach me that I need to treat this animal like it's a wild animal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a good learner. I've had a mentor before and I'll do whatever I possibly can um to make you proud of me Mm -hmm. so uh, I did all of the work and I got my falconry permit and I got goose so we just finished our first season Mm -hmm. um and he just went up for the mold caught 11 squirrels and two bunnies wow uh which was it was weird for me because I'm such an I'm an animal lover so it was hard like okay I thought it would be really hard to like euthanize a squirrel right Mm -hmm. because I was like you know squirrels are kind of cute like when I feel bad for them but I'm so attached to my bird and like you have to understand that like a squirrel can do a lot of damage to a hawk um oh yeah they bite off and they actually tear like ligaments in their feet and Mm -hmm. they can I mean they're like if you don't get to them fast enough it can be a really serious issue Mm -hmm. so I kind of just like never I I think maybe in part there's some overlap because I've had to use rodents and snakes and things like that Mm -hmm. but like I never kind of had this like oh I don't think I can do this it was just part of the food chain you know so falconry has been a big like life changing event for me it's a lot of work it's committing yeah it's a lot of work it is a lot of work most so when I first caught goose um I spent probably about two to three hours a day training Mm -hmm. him for a little bit I want to say exactly a month 
Mm-hmm. And so can I ask for your specific situation, how did you get goose? So, um, in Texas, you have to trap your bird as an apprentice down okay. towards your apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually spent the week with my sponsor trapping red tails mm-hmm. and I trapped three goose was mm-hmm. my third one. And I ended up keeping him. The second mm-hmm. one had no beak which is like a really oh wow and I'm actually gonna announce my Facebook pretty soon I don't know when this podcast actually goes live so you might get to hear about it first if you listen to this heck yeah because I don't exclusive I don't know when I'm gonna be able like allowed to post about it so I can only Mm -hmm. give like so many details okay but um that bird went to a rehabber who uh actually he he was transferred from that rehabber to another rehab in Houston who mm-hmm. is going to apply potentially for him to be their education bird so, oh that's cool so hopefully that bird will have like a forever situation um yeah and I'm hopeful there have been talks not with that particular rehab necessarily but with the original rehabber when I first trapped it and um, some other stuff about getting him like a 3d printed beak or something. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask about that. So uh, that was a, like a really cool experience to be. I trapped that bird by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got frustrated because we we're having a really hard time trapping a bird. So I decided I was going to go out on my own to trap mm-hmm. and I caught this bird and I called my sponsor and be like, um, so I caught this bird and it doesn't have a beak. And the, like her reaction was, what did you do? <laughs> um, That's funny. Like, Wait, I didn't do anything. It came like, like mm-hmm. but it taught me a lot. Like, you know, when you, how much good falconry can do too is uh, a really cool thing. But if you want to know more about goose, I don't know. Am I allowed to give them my Instagram? Oh, a hundred percent. I'm going to give, I'm going to make sure that all that's tagged in the comments. You'll be all over the place. So if you want to see Goose or like know more about Goose, I do post him on my Instagram, which is Lizanardo underscore Da Vinci. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and I do, I do post him a lot and like, there's more information about falconry that way, but I just like, Technically, I can talk about falconry, but mm-hmm. I just don't want to bend the rules too much. No, um, and I that's totally fine because we are actually, I don't know if you can believe it, but we're like reaching the end of the time that I usually set to record for. So okay. um, I don't want to ask you too many more questions about specifically falconry, but I do have a couple like wrap up questions if you're cool with okay. that. So I um would love to know how you have found the, how have you found the community to be within falconry versus herpetology or her peeping specifically around women in the hobby? Um, I would say I'm honestly, like I'm only really six months into being part of like in the falconry community, but there mm-hmm. is a lot of similarities in terms of like, um, public perception matters yeah. in, in, in any animal keeping 
frame um when the public is watching people keep wild animals it mm-hmm. matters how they perceive keeping those animals mm-hmm. um as far as the people go i would say my my interactions have mostly been positive um so far but i like i said i'm very new in that community mm-hmm. so i couldn't really give a like good explanation so much right the fa- falconry people in general though have in my opinion seemed t- to be a little bit more accepting of women like I, I I talk to a lot more men who are genuinely excited to see more women hunting and um like becoming falconers than I mm-hmm. do whereas like in reptiles I think I see men social media wise more frequently not mm-hmm. taking women as seriously right but I've also had a lot of good experiences and I've met a lot of good men and women through right. reptiles so I think part of that is just you know weeding out what is good and what's bad the and douchebags to, well and trying to surround yourself with the good people because typically once you surround yourself with good people more good people come mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And I like to, like I said, I have a lot of anxiety. Like I don't, I don't like to argue. I'm not very confrontational. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I tend to, like, I think I have like two people on my Facebook blog list. Um, Because I mean, honestly, like if you are not kind to me, there's not, I don't have time or room in my life for people who are mean to me or cruel Mm -hmm. so I think that's good energy to have in any community is you don't have to be like everybody else Mm -hmm. um so something that like a lot of people don't know about me is that I'm I have a chronic illness um and when I got into falconry like it's a physical sport right so I was very scared about that being an issue and and luckily my sponsor is amazing and she was super supportive and wanted to see me do really really well Mm. so we have life hacked falconry for me I can't think of anything off the top of my head but I actually am getting a puppy (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I'm getting a, a puppy another puppy that's actually going to be my uh like hunting dog per se Mm-hmm. And it's going to help me flush game mm-hmm. so that when I'm hurting, I can still hunt my bird mm-hmm. and not have it be so physically strenuous on my body. But because of like the chronic illness, I, I have had a lot of people like definitely assume things about me in reptiles and in falconry like about my abilities or about me being lazy or Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and I hope that people will take me seriously especially other women when I say that if you want something I I mean you really want it there are a million ways to skin a cat and you like there are people out there 
who will help you find the ways that work for you. If you're patient and you're, you go get like, have a go get an attitude. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. Mm -hmm. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not as smart or you're not as good or you're not as capable because not doing something the same way doesn't mean it's not being done correctly. And, you know, the end, like for falconry, the end result is you want a bird safely taking game and, you know, coming back to you. And my bird took game successfully all season with no injury. And was that always easy for me? No, it was not always easy for me, but I love that bird. Um, And, you know, venomous snakes is crashing on the floor always easy for me absolutely not it's it's absolutely not easy for me but I find a way to do it and not everybody can just be like oh, I'll power through the pain but they, you will find a way to do the things that you love and I don't want to see anybody um decide that they can't until it really comes to that mm-hmm. uh, so I hope that having I was just talking to my sponsor about this. I'm actually doing a falconry Zoom meeting tomorrow. Perfect. So you're getting used to Zoom. Yeah, right. And like so bad at it still. But um, (laughs) I, I just think, you know, I hope that people can take away that there are people in this community that provide you representation Mm -hmm. and that if you're not seeing people that look like you or you're not seeing people who feel like you or you're fearful like that was a big fear for me is um I've actually never talked about this publicly so I I really struggled with illness pretty much my entire adult life um actually from about puberty onward I was really sick all the time I was in tremendous amount of pain Mm -hmm. and I'd been to 20 doctors Mm -hmm. Uh, and it wasn't until about I'd say a year and a half ago maybe a little bit more or less give or take some that my psychiatrist sent me to a doctor who diagnosed me with chronic fatigue syndrome Mm -hmm. Um, but they actually also diagnosed neuropathy in my hands Uh, Mm -hmm. so that was a really hard thing to stomach because as a venomous keeper your most important tool is your hands Mm -hmm. um and I started to realize that it could potentially continue to get worse um and I know that I want to keep venomous snakes as long as I possibly can I I enjoy that my collection has become smaller because of falconry, um, but also because, and like I said, said earlier, I have downsized my collection. Um, mm-hmm. And part of that was falconry. And the other part of that was I didn't want to have a commitment to a bunch of animals and not know what was going to happen five years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a minute to be like, okay, I am preparing myself for a worst case scenario that may not ever happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was very defeating because I was like, 
how am I going to do all of these things that I want to do? There's so much that I want to accomplish. I'm in my early twenties, you know, I shouldn't have to give up all of these things. I shouldn't have to give up my dreams. I, and I, I also had this fear because I was like, you know, there are other reptile people that definitely feel like because I'm um, overweight that I might not be as physically fit in terms of taking care of animals mm-hmm. um, that they're because I'm a woman, maybe I don't know as much as I do. It's so like all of these things are running through my head. And I'm like, at this point, why am I doing any of this? Like, this is a miserable um, like existence. I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm no longer enjoying these animals that I love because I feel so pressured to prove to everybody that I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. So for the last probably six to eight months, I've really cut back on what I've posted animal wise on my social media. Um, so a lot of people have assumed that I am getting out of the hobby and I am not. Um, but I had to do what was healthiest for me, both mentally and physically. Yeah. So I also thought, okay, there are these other things that I want to pursue at this point in time. It was falconry. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was like, if there ever becomes a day when I can't keep venomous snakes, maybe I can still do falconry. Mm -hmm. So now when I have full use of my hands and, and hopefully, I mean, god whoever willing i will always have full use of my hands mm-hmm. but i um i think you know now is the time to be learning these new things if i can learn them mm-hmm. so that if i have to learn another way another way whether it be harder or easier whatever mm-hmm that I have a really good solid foundation and luckily I found fantastic people who want to help me who want to help me find ways to do things that are safe and healthy and easy for me or easier for me Mm -hmm. Um, so I hope that people listening if you're trying to get into something it doesn't even have to be snakes or falconry or whatever like, don't give up on finding good people because you found bad ones. And don't let anybody tell you that, like, if you feel like you can do something. Because you know what? If you feel like you can't do something, that's valid, too. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's okay to feel like that. Because trust me, there are definitely things, like, I love mambas. I love them. But I know that I am not fast enough or slow enough for Mamba. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's a silly example, right? But it's my, my point being, like, if you feel that way, that's valid, too. But don't let somebody else decide that for you. Yeah. Um, and don't, don't get caught up in what is very frequently silly drama because it's exhausting. It will make you hate what you're passionate about so quickly Mm -hmm. because it's 
draining. You mm-hmm. will spend all of your time arguing on Facebook when what you should be doing is what you love. Like, you know, some of my biggest regrets is spending so much time arguing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, surround yourself with positive people and don't be afraid to be like, okay, this relationship with this person is not good for me. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy. It's not supportive. Um, and don't let your brain or, you know, crappy people convince you that you can't do whatever it is. Cause like, I mean, I don't know if I can help you, but if I can help you reach out to me, I will absolutely do whatever I can to help you. I think that's such a, a positive place to like wrap up our conversation, Hayden. I, yeah. and I, and I don't want to cut you off at all, but I think like, I think what you've <laughs> said is, is so powerful and so important that I wouldn't want it to get lost. Well, I appreciate that. I hope and legitimately, like if anybody ever needs help with anything and I can help mm-hmm. my inbox on all platforms is always, always open. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know that I would be any help, but I would certainly try. <laughs> so with that in mind, um, if people do want to get in touch with you, what's your social media? So um, my Facebook is just my name, Hayden Lears. Um, and you're more than welcome to provide a link. Okay. Uh, I have a business page, which is Atlas Herps. Um, and then my Instagram is Lizonardo underscore Da Vinci. Um, <laughs> and then I think that's pretty much it for social media. I, all right, I well, I'll make sure we get all that on there. Um, and I want to give a huge thank you to you, Hayden, for joining thank tonight. Thank you. I, I really I appreciate hope- the invite. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's been, you were on my first list of people I wanted to talk to, um, to be honest. You, you made the original cut because um, I, was, I was so excited to learn about your experience in Herbs and then also Falconry. Um, and I also want to just say you did a great job because I know you were really nervous, but don't worry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Then, I talked so much. No, I it's, do you know how much better that is for me as a host? It's incredible. Um, <laughs> I also think that like where you put the ending is a good place to bring up a, a topic that I just wanted to pose at the end of this podcast. Um, I've been going back and forth about discussing it for a while, but um, I have noticed that there is a, a lack of accessibility for people to access this podcast if they're hard of hearing or deaf. And I know people have approached me wanting to have a transcript of this podcast made um right now I don't know how to do that so I wanted to ask any of the listeners if you know the best way to go about hiring someone to make a transcript of this podcast or working with some sort of tool that can help me with that that would be really awesome because I want to make sure everyone can enjoy herps and and part of enjoying herps is getting to absorb the media that everyone else can. So that's definitely something I've been thinking about. So if you have any ideas, please reach out. And as always, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Modern Medusa podcast. I am your host, Dominique DeFalco of DeFalco Reptiles, and I will talk at you next week. Thank you.